Alright, trigger warning. This week's episode of Hannibal's Horny Abachi contains references to domestic abuse and serial rape. Listener discretion is advised. So welcome to Hannibal's Horny Hibachi, a dinner party where each week we watch and discuss an episode of Brian Fuller's television show, Hannibal. I'm your host, Sonia, feeling a lot better from last week. <laughs> Let's go around the table to introduce the rest of the party who I might have gotten sick. I, I think I can take over this. So, yeah, so here's Sonia, who got is getting over a cold. Here's JJ, who's... Is in the middle of a cold. <laughs> and here's Celeste, me, who's starting a cold. So thank you, Sonia. <laughs> yes, thank you. And that's why my voice sounds like this. That's why she sounds so sexy. <laughs> that's actually what, that's what my husband said. He's like, whoa, He's what's like, with that voice? I go, it's a voice full of phlegm <laughs> and snotty nose. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. All right. Let's see. So this week we're watching Potage, which first aired April 18th, 2013. In this episode, we focus on Abigail Hobbs, who wakes from her coma to a world that is basically trying to drive her insane. Her level of involvement in her father's crimes from the past episodes is the central focus of this episode. So first impressions from everybody for this episode. JJ? Well, once again, I, I don't like Jack Crawford. <laughs> uh, I think this is where we finally start to see more of, uh, you get more of a, a feel for Abigail, which I think is really, and then this is where a lot more, um, some of the earlier fandom came to be. And uh, I don't know, this I actually really like this episode because, you know, it's just the beginnings of so many beginnings. Yeah. <laughs> That I don't really know of, but I look forward to it. <laughs> the secret to the past. <laughs> I really like this episode. Like, it continues from the first episode, and, you know, they, like, left you with so many, like, unanswered questions. So I'm really, like, glad they're finally, like, getting into that. And I know I've been really feeling for Abigail throughout, the, like, the whole episode, even though I was, like, a little suspicious of her. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that's the point of it, too, like, that you're supposed to be suspicious of her a lot, because um, uh, throughout the episode, Jack believes that Abigail is a willing accomplice of her dad. Will believes that Jack is wrong. Um, and so I, I like to... One of the things I love about this show is how you can assume a, back a backstory about the characters. Like, I feel like Jack who is so heavily focused on the victim's families this episode, is maybe a victim of crime in his past. Because he's so focused on that, even to the point where he will put Will in danger to get uh, closure for the victims. And so I always wondered, like, uh, well, I, I kind of want to go back to the books to see if uh, Jack was a victim of crime somewhere <laughs> in his past. I don't know. How do you guys see that? Like, I, I this episode, Jack. I understand Jack a little bit better having watched it again. But I still think he's yeah. He's he's almost as bad as Hannibal in a way. Mm. No, he really is. Like, uh, he certainly ha like he says right in the in the in the episode. It's like I'm going to take the doctor's opinion that follows my agenda. Like he's, <laughs> like he's honest about it at least, you know. And uh, I don't know. Like I, I personally. It's weird after seeing rewatching the show again. I'm for whatever reason I'm actually starting to get less and less sympathy for Jack Crawford, which is weird. You think I would get more uh, after some character study, but uh, yeah, I'm just kind of like I still don't like you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think his need for the victim's family to be at peace is something I can really 
what's the word? I think I can really empathize with. But yeah, like I understand like where the hate of him comes from just because he is like the the mere version of Hannibal for me in this show. Mm-hmm. Like true, they're, they're both trying to get something out of Will at the expense of Will. Now this bastard. Speaking of Will. Somebody help Will Graham. <laughs> I love that scene of him just coming out of the house at the beginning with his dogs and his underwear. And I'm like, damn it, Will, put some pants on. It's your, I know it's your house. But no, Will, don't put pants on. <laughs> I noticed that there's like a lot of like Will fan service in this one episode. And I it makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like everybody, like I, I was telling that to you guys in the car last time we left. When we credited last episode, how Hugh Dancy was voted like the most beautiful girl and boy at his school when he was young. <laughs> so it's like, I could see that. I could see him. Be, like, because he's not, I'm not usually into the pretty dudes. Oh, but I definitely like, am. Yeah. <laughs> but every time I see him, I'm just like overtaken by his beauty. Well, have you seen any of the, the stuff of him when he was younger, when he used to model? No. He, he modeled first. No, I should. Like, look it up right now. I'll, yeah, you should. Like, get, here, I'll look it up now. Oh my gosh, please. <laughs> You do your thing, I'll look at it. Oh, yeah. So one of my favorite scenes from this episode is Will's lecture at the FBI Academy where Hannibal comes in. And Will is talking about how, uh, is talking about the the Shrek's uh, copycat, which is Hannibal, as we see. And I love Hannibal's little smile when Will figures out that the caller that called Gary Jacob Pobbs was the copycat. He's just all like, oh, he figured it out. (laughs) What a good boy. (laughs) Because, like, everybody's in love with Will, but they're all trying to hurt him. <laughs> Why? See, look at this baby. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> look at that hair. I know. Like, it's very <laughs> curly haired. Isn't uh, he married to Claire Danes? Uh, yes, he oh, okay. is. Yeah. That was later, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she she left her, her husband. Who oh, have you guys seen this freaking picture where they merged their two faces <laughs> together? <laughs> it looks like Richard Armitage. She <laughs> <laughs> who will appear later in the show. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. But anyway, yeah, yes. see, like, his uh, his early days were, were he, modeling. So. Yeah, and he's like, I don't know why he wasn't in Lord of the Rings. He has that elf mm-hmm. in the, Oh, know? yeah, he does. He's just like a baby elf. Okay, random story. <laughs> All right, so I, I was going to save this for the, the season one recap, but I actually attended the San Diego Comic-Con very, very first Hannibal panel where Hugh Dancy was there. Right. And I did not know that Hugh Dancy was English and too that short. Like, he's like, this little <laughs> man, he's so cute. Like, and it didn't take away from his attractiveness at all. But I just saw him and I was like, ooh. Like, you know how you, uh, I've never been breathless before? And I was breathless there. I was like, oh, oh. Yeah. But it was quite a fun time to see. He didn't stop to talk to people after the le- after the lecture. After the <laughs> and uh, but I got to speak to Brian Fuller, who I was freaking out over because I was like, "Dude, you did the uh, the Windigo right." Because like as native people, as the three of us are, it's often really easy for us to see how wrong people get native culture. And so in this context, it's it combines both the Windigo and the show combines both the traditional Windigo in our culture and the Wendigo psychosis as a, as a personification of it. So it's pretty cool. Like, you can't see the hand gesture I'm doing right now, but it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a circle. <laughs> so. All right. But do you guys have any big thoughts from the show first half? Yet. Um, because I got a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, I I'll go, like, back to episode one when you thought of how my, what I thought, like, Hannibal and Will's relationship is like. And you guys, you know, you know, romantic or, like, 
I don't want it. That's what I I'm think like, she said platonic. Yeah, oh, platonic. Platonic. <laughs> I, I forgot to mention this, like the first episode, but I thought it was more of a way of Hannibal looking at Will as a pet. Sort yeah. Of, sort, of, sort of way. So when he, like, you know, gave that little, like, smirk mm-hmm. when Will found out like, about the, the copycat, like, I wrote down as, as, like, oh, he looks like he said, well done, pet. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it's not a... I think JJ said the same thing. I said an opposite thing, but it doesn't seem like a relationship of equals to me because Hannibal is always in control of it, and that bothers me because I well because like uh, uh, let's get all trigger warning here. I was in an abusive relationship, and I don't like the romanticizing of it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, not in Hannibal's case, but like I think that there's a lot more wrong with their relationship than just that. But I don't like the teenage girl fascination with a guy that loves you so much that he won't let you do anything. That mm-hmm. bothers me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I guess that's why I'm like, no, Will, get away from me. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> say Will. <laughs> Especially knowing what's going to happen later. It's like, no. <laughs> we got to stop talking about later, but still. It's like, <laughs> I know. Like, bad things I are going to be more intrigued. <laughs> it's like, something's going to happen. But also, I was giggling so hard because um, I love Freddy. I will continue to love Freddy till the end of time. And I like how she just sneaks into Abigail's room to talk to her after she finds out. Abigail woke from her coma. <laughs> I'm like, what did she say to get in there? Like, did she just go like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm a friend of the family, blah blah blah. I wanted to see Abigail. I, I really want to know what she said to the nurses to get in. Or I think she, she, I think she said she was uh, a medical professional of some kind because Abigail asked her, "You're not a doctor or something or whatever." Mm-hmm. So like, I'm a friend. Yeah, I think she probably just came in with a fake uh, medical ID and just like, I'm here to speak to Abigail about her blah, 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 blah. It's like that woman has some brass over her, seriously. She's get, it's just, like she's going to get that scoop if it means crawling through every single body Hannibal like throws in her path that she doesn't know he's throwing in her path. But oh, she's just so cool. I'm just like, I just love, like, I wish I could be that kung ho about my job because she loves her job, right? And like, uh, there's that part where she meets Will after he she calls him crazy outside in the parking lot and he threatens her and you can see in her eyes that look in her eyes where she's like oh man this is gonna get so many views later <laughs> and then it cuts to that's um, like one of my favorite lines it's like <laughs> it's not very smart to piss off a guy who thinks about killing, killing people, people for a living and then she's like just looking at him like I can't believe you just said that and I can quote it and not be sued I know, <laughs> so, right? It's like, oh my, and Hannibal's like, he can just say what he wants. I don't care. <laughs> so, when he gets criticized by Jack, I think, yeah. Yeah, Jack basically. Jack criticizes him thing, yeah. for saying it, and Hannibal's like, well, I'm not in charge of what, ha- what Will says. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it just kills me. I love it. Uh, but what else was in this thing? Uh, Abigail is told by Will that killing someone is the ugliest thing in the world. And so I start. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I can't say anything because it'll spoil stuff. <laughs> but just hang on to that for the rest okay. of the show. What when he says Killing that? Killing is the ugliest thing in the world. Will is emphasizing with uh, empathizing with Abigail is a nice parallel to his ability to empathize with killers. I think Will sees a bit of himself in Abigail, like that she. Um, not that she like it's still unclear if she's a willing accomplice, but she was an accomplice of her dad. So there's this whole bit about how involved was she in, in killing these girls. And I like that she has that thing of like, well, I kind of enjoyed it because it was, it, I got to hang out with my father. 
in a way. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I just I, I didn't add any notes to that in my in my outline. But like Will emphasizing with Abigail, like I I don't know. Does he see himself in her? What do you think? I don't know if he if he saw himself in her, but um. Um, I'm only because I'm also going from a lot of fan, a lot of fan fiction. <laughs> <coughs> but uh, a lot, or you know what, what's really nice about some of the fan fiction is, uh, all right, sorry, one second. <laughs> <laughs> Can't talk with a menthol hole in my mouth. Um, a lot of fan fiction to it is a lot of character study. Mm-hmm. It depends on the ones you read, obviously. Some of them, literally, nothing really happens to them except conversations. So. Mm-hmm. Um, for me now, headcanon is uh, Will Graham. Yeah, grew up in Louisiana with a single father, and he doesn't know his mother. So, in a wait, that's in the show, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's in the book somewhere. I don't know, I'll, but we'll something like that. But anyway, professional. Sorry. Anyway, like he um, obviously is missing that um, that congenial, that feminine side of probably oh. that part that usually most healthy human human beings creatures grow up with his uh, male and feminine feminine side and i really feel like uh i don't know that's probably half maybe half the reason he's awkward like he is he's just you know, he's missing a part of him <laughs> speaking of that awkwardness there's that part where they're outside uh well i'll get to that later too where they're, where they're taking abigail home and she's outside she's like is that where my mother died and she's like tell she says to will i thought there'd be tape and like chalk outlines or something and will just tells her like yeah they only put chalk and tape there if you're still alive when they have to move you and he's just quiet for saying so you can see the dot 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 <laughs> it's like yes i like that they're making him awkward as hell because I, I didn't notice that the first time i watched it but i'm like okay that's him being like i have to say something now <laughs> to comfort her they're there <laughs> yeah so like that's why i don't think like it's necessarily like he sees herself in her but just um there's a chance to yeah have a daughter have a sister have a have a friend have you know. a girlfriend well not a girlfriend no though. i wouldn't say a girlfriend a at all yeah. a, 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 fem- a female friend you know because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh doesn't seem to have many friends at all so and just because of the trauma that they share there's a chance for a bond to form of some kind so oh, yeah. that's all i really see for uh that's probably the only like one of the many things in fan fiction I don't agree is when those ships happen. Actually, <laughs> I don't yeah, read it. I haven't read any of them. I haven't even touched them. I just saw them in a slash, <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. Well, because you know, in the first episode, he, she like killed her dad, so maybe he feels a little like obligated to like be there for her in mm-hmm. her life. Like, as a replacement goldfish for her dad, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I gotta get a dry. I'm a little goldfish, will <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, here you go. Well, what do you guys think of Abigail? Um, one of the things. I used to hate Abigail. Like, uh, first, first time I watched the whole series, I hated Abigail. Um, I can't say why without spoiling, but, like, um, Abigail was just like this person that I thought was just there to give um, human emotion to Hannibal, I guess. I thought that's what I thought. Like, I'll probably give it away. But like, um, I always thought that Abigail was just like somebody, some like sort of like device that they threw around to, to, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But I like Abigail a lot more this episode than I did before. Because I, I like her relationship with Will. Like, because it is, like, what, what JJ said about uh, him seeing... Uh, they've been through similar circumstances, so she understands what it's like to have killed somebody 
and not and dealing with the conflicted conflicting feelings of well I, it was either her or me and I I still think it was gross but I still kind of liked it I don't know like it, it, it that gets to the later episodes too like where she's discussing like um, well I think she does say in this episode like it was either them or me and I I, I think we can all uh, agree with that it's like uh, if some if something traumatic happened to you rather it would happen to somebody else. I'm just thinking about 1984 now where at the end, like, there's that whole scene where the way Big Brother wins is by getting you to admit to, uh, to, uh, to have what's ha- the bad thing that's happening to you, have it done to somebody you love. And that's how Big Brother wins. Not to get all to Big Brother. <laughs> it's an old book you guys should have already read. That's a get all hard there, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, to, uh, um, shoot, what were you saying? Uh, Abigail. <laughs> right, Abigail. Um. Oh, using her as a trope. Crap, what was I going to say? <laughs> I was going to add to that. And then you said Big Brother. Crap. Oh, no, the trauma thing. Oh, you were saying, uh, yeah, you were saying, um, would you rather, uh, you know, if you yeah, were to experience trauma, if you had the choice, would you pass it on to somebody else and then not have it happen to you? I was going to just say in comparison, because uh, when I was working on working on the Taken TV show and uh, working with one, with one girl, uh, I realized we were the exact same age came to the city at the exact same time. Um, well, almost the exact same time. And had she lived, we'd be the same age. And I thought to myself, you know what? I can tell you there's times where, like, I would walk home and there was somebody following me. So I did the thing to do to protect myself, either turn around, fake doing this, go that way, whatever you had to do. And then I thought, you know what's weird? It always made me think, that means whoever was preying on me then had to turn and prey on somebody, somebody else. else. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's one of those weird, just weird things you th- you think about sometimes. It's like, well, if it's not going to happen to you, then it has, it almost has to happen to somebody else. It doesn't, you don't want it to, but if they're still looking for something to happen to somebody that night, then they have to pick somebody. Well, that's what, ha- what Abigail says too. Um, if she had, if her dad had killed her, none, none of those nine other girls would have been killed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you can't say, well, uh, Alana tells her like, you can't know that. But I'm like, in this case, you can. Like, yeah. Because if she had died, her father, uh, her father wouldn't have had that. Dis- well, no, okay. We're going into that absolute thing. Like that grab bag of, uh, would she, would he or would he not have killed her again? Like he would have wanted to get that high again, I imagine. I imagine, like, you know what, like if I had to like make up a whole thing, if he did kill his daughter, Another thing he might have done was almost do what Will does, is adopt something else and mm-hmm. maybe collect something else to be a surrogate. And then who knows how healthy that would have been. It might have actually, he might have become like a foster dad or something and then ended up <laughs> killing, know, somebody killing, killing somebody else. Like who's to say like he would have stopped? He just would have mm-hmm. put something else in his path. Who's to say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> how about you, Celeste? What do, what do you think about Abigail? <coughs> um, I have like a... Um... I wasn't sure if I liked her or not throughout the episode. Like, I really like Megan. <laughs> I like, kind of looked at her as inspiration for making a character. But um, as her as a character, I didn't like her at all at first. But, you know, once she started, like, getting, like, being conflicted about, like, you know, like, her dad. And then, like, later on, when she, like, killed that guy... It's like, oh my gosh, she's more complicated than I thought. <laughs> well, I didn't appreciate how Alana and Jack went in to see... Well, uh, Alana especially went in 
to meet with uh, with Abigail with the idea that she had already been she she's already they consider her an accomplice of her dad. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's like going in with bias there, Alan. Like, or uh, Alan. I can't <laughs> Anyway, the psychologist. <laughs> okay, Alana. Alana, she um, she goes in with that bias, already knowing that she. I believe she thinks that that Abigail was an accomplice of her father, and I think that the going in there made her upset. And Will didn't go in with that bias. Not that I'm saying, like, Will is perfect on the show. He kind of is. But <laughs> but Will... Um, he is. Will treats Abigail like she is, like she's a victim of her father, too. And even though Alana is saying that she doesn't... Uh, she's not going to... Tre- like, she is a victim of Garrett Jacob Pops as well, but she's still acting like Abigail helped him, helped him out, which is a bad place to go from, you know what I mean, when you're trying to help this girl? Still. Yeah, she was surprisingly calm, too, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, really calm. It's like, you shouldn't you be, like, you know, like, super sad or, like, traumatized <laughs> or, like, even mad? But you're just, like, staring at them. Like, what's I think her she, name? Uh, Alana? Yeah, Alana. Yeah. She, like, Alana was, like, staring at her hard. It's like... <laughs> in that one scene. That kind of made me laugh. <laughs> well, it didn't... I didn't appreciate that, either, because it's, like, she's she just got up from her coma. Give her, like, four minutes to do... They didn't even... They even... The nurses even told uh, Abigail that she wouldn't... They weren't going to tell her if her mom and dad were dead until Alana got there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, they're dead then. Uh, that's what... Well, that's what I would assume if they didn't tell me. Yeah. Would you have assumed the same thing? Like, uh, are my parents dead? Well, we got to wait until the psychologist comes. I would assume automatically. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Because people would want to give you good news right away. Yeah. Especially if they had that dark look in their eyes, like, you got to wait for the doctor. It's like (laughs) crap. It's like, it's a (laughs) bad bad news, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, But I know how I said Jack is like the the mere image of Hannibal. I think Freddy actually is. I think Freddy, if Freddy is actually the like the anti Hannibal, like because she does, she and him do things to see what will happen. Case in point, her telling the brother of the the girl that was killed by the copycat, he, she told him that Abigail was awake, and that he like knowing fully well that he was probably gonna go seek her out and. Uh, like either harass her, even try to get uh, revenge, whatever. And I'm like, uh, or that scene where after Freddie calls Will a psychopath, she's trying to be nice to him outside of the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what was that, Freddie? She's like, well, I, I really wanted to take that back and I apologize for what I said. I'm like, you called him a psychopath. <laughs> no wonder he doesn't like you. <laughs> So. Yeah, I was like, like you were saying, like she's like like Hannibal, but like also like the opposite. In a way, I think she's she's one of those uh, people where like Hannibal plays the long game; he plays chess with people. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like she plays like rugby <laughs> with <Right>. people. <laughs> if I hit this ball and I throw this and punch that, what's gonna happen? Okay, all right, let's go with that. <laughs> you know, it's like she's got no. She like she has a charisma, but it's it's still very brash and very aggressive, almost like Jack. Cro- Jack Crawford, but you know, it's just. Oh yeah, the goal for her is by any means necessary. Whereas mm-hmm. Hannibal wants to get at, get at it without being caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it is like a chess game. It reminds me of that chess game in um, Sherlock Holmes: A Game of Shadows, where it was Moriarty versus Sherlock, and they got to the point where they were playing it in their minds. 
And that, that's what a wet animal reminds me of. I hate chess, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I feel like uh, Friday kind of, like... Oops. Like, she may not be a murderer, but she does, like, cause trouble that may yeah. hurt people along the way. And she... I'm not sure if she, like, realizes this or not, but she does definitely do, like, cause something. <laughs> yeah, she, like, I Like, think, with the brother? Mm-hmm. I think she contributed to the brother's death. Or she, she inadvertently contributed to the Abigail's friend that was killed by Hannibal and the brother's death. Like, I, I'm, I'm totally going to go with the, the godlike, omnipresent, like, okay, Freddy did result in those murders. Because she told him. And she knew he was, like, a psycho... Well, not a psychopath, but, yeah, like, she a told him, and she also didn't tell... Well, actually, she was talking to Hannibal, so <laughs> either way, it, it wouldn't really do a difference <laughs> when, she, you know, she saw him, like, lurking outside the house. Because if she, if she did tell him, Hannibal would probably be like, oh, hello. I was like, well, let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> she also, like, I love that scene, like, it's near the end of the episode, where she comes out of the the darkness at the Abigail's house, and her hair appears first. I just love that. It's just, like, the halo of hair. I'm like, man, her hair is fantastic in this episode. <laughs> oh, like, when she's in that blue room, like, Everything's blue, and her hair was just, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> she just, like, dedicate an episode of her hair, because I would definitely... <laughs> yeah, I wish there was one episode of just, like, I wish they had, um, even though, like, uh, this doesn't spoil anything for later episodes, but in Red Dragon, the book, Freddy, the male character, is killed by the Red Dragon. And I would have hated if they had killed Freddy in that context, like, in the, like, uh... Like, in the, like, you won't tell lies about me anymore, Mr. Lounge. Because it would have been, like, a sexual crime in that way because of the, of the context of the book. So I'm like, I'm glad Freddie didn't die so horribly that way. Like, I wouldn't... Like, it was easier for me to handle Philip Seymour Hoffman's Freddie dying in that context because he was a horrible man. And I'm like, he had no redeeming qualities the way this Freddie does. Because I can see Freddie... Um, Freddie is, like, the every the girl everybody wants to be. You know, like, the girl who doesn't care if she's seen as bitchy or as um, a horrible woman or not motherly or, like, she's, like, the like the girl I... Well, I want to be. I don't know about you guys. Also, like, a passion, too. Like, I yeah. love her passion. Because, <laughs> like, she's not... Um, like, it was like what JJ said last episode. Freddie is not going home at the end of the day and going, why did I say that to Will? She's like, fuck Will. <laughs> like, because Will is just the, in my way of getting to the better story. Hmm. So it just makes me giggle, that whole thing. Let's see. Um... I'm fascinated how you you like Freddie Lounge so much. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, like... she's just so cool. I don't know. Because like, you can, uh, what's the, that saying? Hate the sin, but love the sinner? Yeah. And so that's how I feel about her. That's how I feel about Hannibal. <laughs> Speaking of, okay, here's the five minute, like, well, okay, we got to cut it down for five minutes, but the Rogue One. Okay, so we're going to talk about actors now. Okay, we're going to step out of the show for a minute to just talk about actors, particularly Matt Mads Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen and Rogue One. I don't know if you've seen Rogue I One yet. I not, so but I'll let you guys this. <laughs> well, because he's only in it for, okay, spoiler. He's only in it for about, let's say, half an hour, 20 minutes. He's not the main character anymore. Not even that long. He's probably in there for about 15 minutes, maybe maybe even 10. Yeah. But There's he not has, a lot of screen time. He has one of the, like, the most heart-wrenching scenes in the movie that I thought was kind of ruined by Felicity Huffman, or Felicity, whatever her name is, Felicity Jones. I don't know. Maybe I'm being biased. I probably am. But there's that scene where, okay, spoiler for Rogue One. There's <laughs> a scene where um, Jen finds out that her father has, 
who is played by Mass Mikkelsen. Her father has given uh, a message of how to destroy the Death Star, and he has sent a hologram basically for her to, to hear if she's still alive, because he doesn't know that she's alive yet. Or he doesn't know if she's alive or is a hostage of the of the Empire, whatever. And there's that whole scene where he's discussing like how much like what he did what he did in on behalf of the Empire was all for her. And it was just like a heartbreaking scene because like Mans is like uh, a CGI construct in the scene and he's acting so freaking hard. <laughs> I was like crying by the end of I know. It. I was kind of like, ah, oh, there's so much great acting, but it's all blurred by a hologram. Yeah, and, just, <laughs> and like they cut, they cut to her, they cut to Jen reacting to his message at the wrong time. And I thought that really ruined it. Like if they had kept it, if they had kept the whole scene on him of just that hologram and her walking around the hologram listening to it, I thought that would have been... This is the filmmakers talking, of course. Like, <laughs> it would have been powerful to hear him. Because, like, you... I think one of my favorite things about Rogue One was how Mass played a villain... Not a villainous character, but a hero with that had to do villainous things to get things done. And I think that's a rare thing in, in films and movies because there's, a, especially in the Star Wars universe, there's good and there's evil. There's the there's the Jedi and the Sith. There's never a bleeding of the two. And I think that Mass was one of the really perfect characters for that, of the idea of there there are good people that have to do bad things sometimes to get the, to to get to the end goal. But good God, he was good enough. <laughs> I just want to see it again. I'm like, why wasn't he in it longer? <laughs> Uh, but that whole scene in the rain was a little hysterical. Like, ah! <laughs> somebody really loves him. <laughs> oh, speaking of real, okay, back to Hannibal. I really love how. Um, how Hold on, one more thing. One more thing. <laughs> okay, go <laughs> I was just gonna say when I first saw the trailer for Rogue One, and you first hear Mass, and he says Jin, like it sounds like Jin, <laughs> <laughs> which is my real name. <laughs> but we're gonna still call me JJ. But I'm just saying that's my real name. So when I heard it, I was like. <gasps> <laughs> you put it on your ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> when I get a text, Jen. <laughs> oh yes, yes, mess. <laughs> but it's like it's so cool though, because um, I forget uh, because Hannibal is such a character. I forget that Mass is acting in this case, because Hannibal to me is not Mass. Mass is um, this like adorably goofy guy that I mm. I did not realize he was that goofy in real life. But anyway, um, Hannibal is a scary character to me, and I could never never see him as anything else i don't know it's just terrifying to me because there's that whole scene where at the end where he's talking with uh abigail and you see his eyes and his eyes look like shark eyes like they look like doll eyes and he's just like looking at her terrified like that whole scene where um there's that scene where abigail wants to reenact the death of her father, the death of her mother, and the guy calling. The funniest bit, though, is when she's like, oh, you can play the... She points at Hannibal, you can play the guy you call. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can see it in his eyes. Yeah, just like... Hmm. That look in his face was, uh, scared me more than anything because you could see it. it. Like, you could see the inner workings behind his eyes. But still, that was funny and terrifying. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking that, too. And then you see Hannibal when they walk in on uh, Will's lecture. And uh, you see... And he's talking about the copycat, which is... You know, we know. Yeah, we know. We all know. <laughs> yeah, we know who it is. And just, and it, the, I love the camera that just stays on Hannibal, and it, it's just like, he's just got like a blank look, but you know, he's like, <laughs> they're, they're talking about Walking me. Yeah. <laughs> Will's talking about me. <laughs> but one of the big, okay, to get to True Crime Corner, 
our true crime dessert or like I guess this section of the show should be like you know those scenes when you're at uh, when you're having dinner with your family and all the young kids go off to just, like talk about like bad movies they've seen like well I guess that was just my family <laughs> there's a thing where all the kids go off and talk about like oh I watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street it was creepy and so like you talk about things you're not supposed to talk about at the table so that's the kind of context I want to put this in <laughs> so but one of the big parts of this episode was uh, excuse my French pronunciation Folie à deux, which is the madness shared by two, which is something um, Alana tells Abigail when Abigail asks whether her dad made her crazy. And so, like, what was the context of that scene again? Um, Abigail asks if his madness was hereditary, I believe. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, they were saying how, like, but within, and Hannibal said, but within a a culture or a subculture, even within a family, if it's everyone's doing it, then it's not crazy. It's not crazy. It's not insane. I love how you know Hannibal's line totally down, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's the context? And you're just like, in your mind, yeah, this is what he said. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So um, this episode got me thinking about killing pairs, like killing duos, like people who kill together, and whether or not one of that pair is only there because they're being forced to. So my big discussion today is about um, the. This is one. This was one of the big questions in the trials of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. For our non-Canadian people who don't know who Bernardo and Homolka were, they were a married couple living in Toronto, Ontario, in a suburb called Scarborough, in the early '90s. Bernardo was an accountant, while Homolka worked at an animal clinic. They met in the late 80s and were immediately sexually attracted to each other. Like, creepily so. Their friends were, like, grossed out by how much PDA <laughs> they went through. Like, they were one, oh of, those cu- you, they were one of those couples who couldn't t- uh, Keep hands off each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they married and were basically the storybook couple. They had, like, a beautiful limo at their wedding. They had the, She had the big, huge 80s dress. They're all smiles and the thing. It was sickening. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but prior to their courtship and throughout their relationship, throughout, after their marriage even, uh, Bernardo was committing a series of rapes in Scarborough on teenage girls he stalked at bus stops throughout, the, throughout Scarborough. He would follow them on the bus and any time a, a girl got off by herself to wait for like the, her transfer or something, he would attack them and drag them into the woods. Um, during his series of rapes that he committed, he was actually interviewed by the cops after a series of attacks as he matched a composite image that the cops had created from an eyewitness account. But because Bernardo was such a well-adjusted, well-educated white dude, <laughs> they let him go. I wonder why. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Bernardo was obsessed with the book American Psycho. Uh, note from me randomly. The movie's better. <laughs> the book is terrible, and it's just about... American Psycho is about this man who is a New York City broker who, in his spare time, kills prostitutes. Uh, Bernardo enjoyed humiliating women in public, uh, particularly his girlfriends, and he had committed uh, domestic abuse on his prior girlfriends, including Carla Homoka his later wife um his sexual fantasies became darker as his sex crimes became even more vicious when he began dating homoka he revealed to her that some of his, about some of his fantasies and was surprised when she not only accepted him for them she began encouraging him so right before their marriage homoka offered up the virginity of her younger sister as a present to bernardo 
And Bernardo had been obsessed with the younger sister, and the two drugged her using drugs that she had stolen from the animal clinic. Uh, she was killed when she began to choke on her own vomit, and the couple frantically covered up all the evidence of the crime because they killed her in Homoka's parents' house in the basement. Uh, Bernardo was really emboldened by their ability to get away with the crime, and the two later kidnapped two teenage girls, one of whom Homoka lured into the car and was she drugged uh, on behalf of Bernardo. Okay, so this is my anti-cop tirade right here. <laughs> Oftentimes it's my sheer dumb luck that the cops end up solving a crime. Like, I believe the cops don't like me, and I don't like cops. <laughs> so it's like, I believe the cops are, like, they never will, especially in a crime involving such upper-class members of society, I, I think if they hadn't have been so dumb with their evidence, they would have never been caught, especially with the Scarborough rapes. Um, in this case, Homoka's sister, when she died, had a chemical burn on her face from the rag with the drugs that they had put on her face. So she had like a visible chemical burn. And uh, throughout the night th that she died, uh, Homoka and Bernardo were running around the house cleaning up right before they called the cops. And, um, but the, the sister's death wasn't listed as suspicious. Um, as I said earlier, Bernardo had been fingered as a rapist by witnesses multiple times, but it was only after Homoka confessed their crimes to her family, when Bernardo beat the crap out of her and she moved out, the two were arrested. Homoka claimed she had been forced into helping Bernardo due to his abusive behavior. I believe sometimes that women can be forced to do things if they're in an abusive relationship like this. Because, like, so, like, I was in an abusive relationship. I would never have killed anyone on his behalf, though. But you do do stuff that you don't want to do just because you want to make them happy. So in this case, Homoka's claim of only being an accomplice due to the abuse she suffered was taken to heart by the police and the investigators. And she was offered a plea deal where if she testified against Bernardo, she'd be charged with manslaughter and would only serve 12 years. After her deal was secured and she testified against Bernardo and she was going to be sentenced to 12 years, videotapes were found in their house that showed Homoka happily taking part in the crimes they had committed, with one video showing Homoka wearing her sister's clothes and pretending to be her while having sex with Bernardo. So Homoka's freedom... It continues to be a touchy subject in Canada, especially after it was discovered she was living in Quebec with her new husband and her young children. Um, in my opinion, I think they brought out the worst in each other, uh, obviously, but I think Bernardo would have made it to killing on his own without her support. But I think, yeah, they did bring out the worst of each other and it was obvious that uh, <coughs> it was a perfect, perfect meeting of minds. Anyway, that's our happy Christmas story <laughs> for this week. <laughs> uh, I think she's still in Quebec, too, if I read right. But, yeah, like... She's out now, right? Yeah. But I think Bernardo, uh, if we're going to go by the luster of two evils, I think Bernardo being in jail is a lot better than, <laughs> like, than them both being... I would rather them both be in prison for what they did. However, if it was a choice between the two of them, I would toss in the serial rapist before the woman who hasn't committed any crimes. Oh, you know what the worst part of this whole story is, though? There's a worst part? There's a even worse part. <laughs> There's a worse part. Right. So, Homoka, she's still in touch with her, sis with her other sister and their parents. Which I think, okay, I could agree with the parents being like, okay, we lost a daughter. But if my sister had killed me, I wouldn't want my parents to be hanging out with that sister still. It's horrifying. Mm, it's just true. It's like, eh. Well, I hope my sister doesn't kill me. But, yeah, just like, that, that, was, that continues to be the worst part for me. That 
her parents are still in contact with her after one of her victims was their was her sister. <laughs> anyway, look it up on Wikipedia. It's really good. Well, not really good. But <laughs> it's interesting. It's a, <laughs> interesting read. It's an interesting read to look into uh, accomplices and how sometimes people bring out the worst in each other or the best, depending on how you look at it. In this case, it was like an evil best. Yeah. <laughs> We could turn the mic around for that. Or or to quote something that'll come later, to avoid the worst of each other so you can keep accepting the best or something. Something like that. (laughs) I don't know what we're talking about, so I'm just like, ew. No, that's that's in the show later. (laughs) I don't remember because I probably blacked it out. Um, I I blacked out a lot of things. Oh, God. Hold on a second. What episode is that? I think that's season three. Oh, okay. Well, I we'll think so. It's a waves. That's the only reason that sounds probably as disturbing as it does to you. <laughs> All right. Uh, but this episode um, is the beginning in the series of what I like to call Will's needlessly sexy murder nightmares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, because like, because <laughs> there's that scene where he's imagining. Because <laughs> tell me if it's not needlessly fan servicey how he kills people in these when he in these reimaginings of what he does. Because there's that whole scene where he's like whispering into Abigail's ear in his nightmare, where he's like he has her clutched, right? Like basically clutched, and he's like, can't remember exactly what he's saying, like. I, I can't remember because I blacked it out because it was too I think he's saying what uh, Garrett Jacob, Garrett Jacob Hobbs Hobbs said. Yeah. said. Which he is, yeah, but I can't remember exactly what he said. But it was, um, the way he says it, it, like if he took out all the context, it would sound dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so, but apparently I have a thing that I didn't know I had. This show is basically, could be subtitled, I had a kink I didn't know I had. <laughs> I think that's a tag for a lot of stuff in this <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> it's like Hannibal's horny abachi, aka we had a kink we didn't know we had. Oh my god, I'm learning so much about you, Sonia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a dark person. Like yeah, if you ever like listen to like half of that show, half of the show is just Will Graham going, <sighs> and that's it. And then you kind of go, what are you doing? <laughs> That's why, oh, yeah. I, that's why I was laughing when you were talking about his dreams. If you ever listen to half, watch those scenes again where he dreams, it's just a lot of... It's just a lot of writhing. It's a lot, a lot of writhing and panting and sweating. <laughs> you know, it's like... That's like one of the favorite scenes that people like to slice up the, the gifts together with Hannibal do, from... Doing something, yeah. Or rather, Mash in another movie doing a sex scene and then they patch them together and it makes a lovely little story. <laughs> well, they don't, like, they don't even um, keep it as subtext anymore in the show. Like, in season two, you'll see. But, okay, you remember that episode in season two where Hannibal has to do something to Will in his uh, in his drug state? Oh. Uh, you remember that scene? You yes. Know, when oh, my God, yes. <laughs> And Celeste comes to the itch, she'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely put my input later. <laughs> but it's like one of my likes on fa- on um, on Tumblr, so don't look at my likes. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like just like smiling over here. Cause this, this is why we're called Hannibal's horny hibachi, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the horny was actually for the for the deer stags. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> it comes out the truth always but to be fair I'm, I'm always really late to the party when it comes to these things I'm just like oh 
That makes more sense. <laughs> well, I was totally late to the party because I didn't know that um, Ab- um, Hannibal killed his assistant in the first episode. I was like, he killed somebody? I didn't see that. And then I'm like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> but uh, what was it? Um, so we're back to the scene where Annabelle kills the brother. Um, what the hell was Alana even doing there when she couldn't play? Because there's that whole scene where... Um, uh, well, no, okay, back to the thing where they killed the friend and Will finds the corpse in uh, the murder house and Abigail runs upstairs and sees the body. Like, what the hell was Alana even doing there? She couldn't keep her downstairs to not be re-traumatized by seeing her friend get <laughs> Well, she killed. probably, you know. She's yeah. like, oh, there's blood coming from the table. Everybody should go look. Let's <laughs> go, everybody. <laughs> well, you know. You, oh, yeah. You can't... Maybe if she's some, suspecting yeah, well, there's if, something up there, and she kind of, like, pushed. Well, the blood fell on her head. You want to know where the blood came from. <laughs> Even <laughs> well, though he could have went up there himself. Well, he did. You know, but, like, I don't know. I don't know me. Like, if I was in that, I'd be like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> you know, you're just, sometimes you're just well, curious to Well, she's a kid, to too, right? Mm-hmm. So. But, what, like, I um, I think Alana's in the running for the worst psychologist on the show. If we exclude <laughs> Hannibal. Like, Hannibal's <laughs> number one. But in a non-universe where Hannibal doesn't exist, like, Alana has basically traumatized Abigail it's at least three times this episode. And she's uh, the one who's trying to, like, prevent Brenda. that from <laughs> happening. <laughs> I kind of relate to her now. <laughs> All right, and back to the murder I was discussing where Abigail kills the brother. It was totally self-defense, wasn't it? What do you guys think? I thought it was self-defense. Like, definitely. Like, he pushed her against the wall. Like, and oh, he broke God. into her house. Yeah. <laughs> JJ's just like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. Well, all right. Um, uh, in my head, it doesn't feel like it was. Only because, I don't know, if I was in that situation, you want to keep, uh, you wanna keep uh, your attacker talking. You want to keep him distracted. You know, like... It's like, okay, what do you want? What can I do? Okay, like, that that's that's self-preservation. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas her first instinct was to fight, which is to, like, was to stab. Yeah. yeah, and all you need is one. You just, like, if your true intention is to just get away and to live, you just have to take your attacker down and then go. Like, or distract them. Just enough for you to get away is the usual thing most people will go to if you're doing self-defense. However, if you go beyond that, I mean, something else kicked in and then it's kind of... Then it becomes excessive, and then it's like, well, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) So, and I don't know, like, to me, like, uh, no, it wasn't really self-defense. I I agree with Hannibal on that point. (laughs) Of course he would. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, what I love, too, in that scene, too, is when he asks her, you know, do you want my help? I love how blank his face is. Like, he honestly doesn't give two shits. He's just like, what do you want to do? Then I know what I have to do. It's like he's That's asking all. if we're going to go for hot dogs. Later. Yeah, it's kind of like, what do you want to do? That? All right, we'll do that. That's good. But I don't know if you guys know this, but um, I took a self-defense class uh, like two years ago. And one of the things they tell you is you only have enough. The law is only on your side enough to get you away. Yeah, so, like, that's what say, I mean. Yeah, say if JJ attacked me, I'd poke her in the eye and run. <laughs> like, that's enough. But if, <laughs> but if I punch, like, if I knocked her down and beat the crap out of her... That would be excessive force. Hmm. And so, like, the law is on your side until you go all Batman and kick the crap out of somebody. Like, even if somebody, like, broke into your house. Uh, well, no, that's not a good case. If someone tried to attack you in a car and you uh, you stabbed them in the eye at their keys and it got into his brain and he died, 
His family could sue you. Well, it's, I'm assuming the, the guy the guy is the perpetrator's like, dude. Anyway, if you <laughs> you could be sued with assault for killing that guy, manslaughter probably in that case. But it's it's bizarre to me that like you can only do enough to get away. But it's like, what if I really want? Well, what if I really want to hurt this guy? <laughs> it's like he tried to hurt me. He's going down. Blah. But it's that case. The laws in Canada are a lot different than they are in the States because, like, anyone breaking into your house, it's stand your ground. Well, I think the way it is, too, is thinking about it, uh, trying to think about it without the emotion and objectively, is, uh, well, say you were sitting in your car and then you got attacked. What was on your mind when you were in the car? I'm going to start this car and go home. I'm going to start this car and go to work or whatever. The intention to kill was, was not there. <laughs> and then you got attacked. And now the intention only should be to, to get away to get away to preserve my life and that should be it if anything else kind of appears there then it's kind of that's i think that's where that comes from those are the chain of events that are supposed to be followed objectively it's when you start all this other messy stuff appears <laughs> then you kind of have to look back and go you know <laughs> like like me if that happened i'd also go like well who was this person to this person did they know each other and or, did they have a reason to kill yeah and then um, but also probably as a defense lawyer, I'd probably go to the victim and be like, okay, what happened to you in your past that made you react that savagely to being attacked again? Were you attacked before? Do you have an aversion to whatever this? Or like, you know, that'd be my defense on that end. But then, then yeah, again, going on to the <laughs> prosecution, I'd be like, that's well, excessive. Well, I could do both. Well, it's like that episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where he's in a philosophy class and he's asked, okay, does it, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around here, it doesn't make a sound. And Will is like, yeah. And then, like, the prophet's just looking at him, oh, no. And then he's like, okay, what if the tree fell on a badger? Does the sound the badger makes count? <laughs> it's one of those cases where it's like, there's no clear answer in this case. Because mm-hmm. I do think it was self-defense because she's been trained as a hunter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so she has that, in, like, that instinct that's trained into her of um, how to protect herself in case a bear or, like, a moose attacks her. Not that a moose would, but, like, say a moose is running at her. And like, yeah, like, so it's like. I think I still think it's self-defense, and, and Hannibal preyed on her fear that it wasn't. Mm. I think it's self-defense too because, because um, the Duke came in, and of course like, she's already shaken up with like the murder of her like friend, friend. and then they're in the house where her parents were murdered, and she found the hair and she found in the, the pillow. I'll be like, yeah, she's shaken, and then there's like this, this dude shows up behind her, and of course she's like even more spooked, and then he pushed her against the wall. I mean, wouldn't your first instinct if you have be a like, knife, punch, if yeah. you have a knife in your hand and someone pushes you against the wall, your instincts go, ugh. <laughs> That's what I think. I think in that we should have a, a simulation of this. <laughs> see what just try it right now. Let's have someone break in and be like, let's see what happens. And then the knife just goes in. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if uh, if you want to go off of, like, at least first instinct, at least whenever I've had dreams of those similar scenarios, my first instinct is to run. Mm-hmm. And I almost always do. But then always in my dreams I get trapped somewhere. So then it's like, crap. All right, then what do I got? Find a weapon. All right, let's do this. Let's dance. <laughs> and then it becomes a thing or like that, at least in my dreams. So in my in my mind, like, it still feels like she probably still has, like, because her instinct was to get up and run, and then he grabbed her. And then she, she stabbed him, yeah. Yeah. Well, he might get but then again, her, yeah. But again, I still would have, like, paused and listened to him talk. The, the, the but kids. she was like spooked, like in I, that context. Yeah. Did yeah. she know? Like, did she suspect him for killing her friend? I think she he, did. Because yeah. he kind of like came in and be like, "I didn't kill her." Like, which is another thing we can talk about. Like, why did he go there to tell her? Yeah, like about um, that. If he could have just hidden away, yeah, and nothing would happen. Well, Hannibal framed him. Like the cops were going to go to him as the killer of her friend. 
And so I think she he she assumed that her friend was killed by him because he was threatening them both, right? And mm-hmm. he saw her. And I would have assumed, okay, it was the the guy who whose sister my dad killed. You know what I mean? Like so it's uh, it's like a complicated thing. Yeah, it really it, is. Does the sound that the gopher game. makes count when the tree falls on it? Like, yeah. what, we could go on forever about that. But the hair and the pillow, oh, that was so, so gross. gross. Like, it was a lot, like, um, I don't think um, <coughs> if she had found something under the floorboards, I don't think it would be as effective as her, like, pulling that hair out. Well, she was meddling with it before. Yeah. Like, she was holding it for comfort. And then she's like, wait. <laughs> there might be, so, like, Dad used everything. What's in here? Oh, God, I must be so disturbing Ooh. then. Because when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I did look up the um <laughs> Uh, hair takes two years in an average environment to rot. So it probably would have smelled really nice in there. But, ew. Like, what was that pillow made out of? Like, like, the, like the leather bits and stuff? Yeah, because I saw the, the sinew used to tie it, and it, the pillow itself looked like it was made out of some sort of leather or, like, uh, like hide. Mm. Was it human beings? Ed Guinehouse? I don't know. I think, you know, I think for most of his stuff, it was probably all animal. There's only little bits and pieces, I think, where... That human. were human beings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of my favorite things about the cinematography of this episode, ha- or the lighting, is how creepy Hannibal's eye light is. I don't know, you'll see it in each episode, but how they light his eyes, he just looks so, Like, they just bring out the black in them. Like, that, he has, like, really creepy eyes. Sometimes. I think that's a practical thing, too, because um, Mass has very deep-set eyes, so that's also a way so you can even see them. <laughs> he has, like, the skull. Uh, skull yeah, face. if he's overlit, he, he, he's, he's got such broad, you know, cheekbones and just, yeah, deep-set eyes that when light, when he's overlit, he looks like a freaking skeleton. So <laughs> I think that's more of a practical thing than... But still, it's a beautiful touch, too, because yeah. it's just, like, it just makes his eyes look faker, if you know what I mean, like... I don't know. He's like, a, there's that Tumblr post going around about how um, this guy has a crush on Mass, but not on Hannibal, because Hannibal looks like a fake human. And I'm like, that's that. That's the thing I think. Like Hannibal, lo- I said in another episode, yeah, like how Hannibal looks like what an alien assumes a human being would look like. If you knew, if you knew, no human beings only had mm. books to go on. This is what a human looks like. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, if if we want to get personal here for a minute, is like I think that probably a reason I'm not going to compare my husband to, to Hannibal. <laughs> Please do. Uh, but <clears throat> well, one time, you know, me and him had a fight, and I was all sad, you know, because I'm just so emotional. <laughs> and anyway, he comes and sits beside me. He holds my hand, and he basically just waits for me to stop crying so I'll talk to him. And he's just sitting there, and he's like, "I'm sorry, I don't know how to feel." And he just stares at me. My my husband is one of those who just kind of very late to the party with his emotions. It just takes him a long time to process what's going on. <laughs> so he he has that same blank look sometimes that <laughs> Hannibal has. That's probably why. Like, Hannibal, probably attracted to I'm attracted to just blank slates. Apparently, I don't know. <laughs> No offense to my husband, I love him very much. Like he's he's certainly gotten better since we've been together. He's better. He's better (laughs) at processing. But I just remember this was very early on in the relationship, and I just remember that blank look he gave me, holding my hand. Just tell me how to feel. Like just really blank. Like he's still concerned. You can see the concern though, but he's just like. Like what? I'm I'm giving them the look right now. Concerned about some. Does he have sisters? He does. He has older sisters. Okay, that's probably why, because he's never had to console a younger sister, maybe. 
Uh, yeah, he's the youngest. He's the only boy. He's the youngest. So he was probably called. Parents, parents yeah. divorced when he was really young, and he was mostly with his dad. But what's really interesting, we're going to go all psychology here. <laughs> his, his dad is almost exactly the same. <laughs> oh, okay, that's where he learned it from. Probably, oh. yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm trying to teach him new things. Just for the listeners out there, I that's do have a degree in psychology, so I, I have some context that I can discuss this in. But it was in social psychology, so I can't be a forensic psychologist on this. But anyway, but, okay. So, right, so we got, uh, like, four minutes. Okay, we're almost done. Uh, so, okay, end of the episode. What was your favorite part? Best thing in the mm. episode this time. What I liked about the episode, and it's probably because because uh, I watched the show, and then I bought the soundtrack, and then I listened to all the soundtracks, and then I kind of listened to them over and over again, and then I rewatched the show, and I heard all the music again, and it all had a different context for me. So like, now that I'm rewatching a third time, it's the music for me. It's mm-hmm. like it just guides you nicely through the show, and I'm just like, ooh, this just lulls you right in there, and like it's got great highs and lows, and. Uh, if you ever actually listen to the music soundtrack, it's all one track, most of them. So it takes you through the whole episode, the highs and lows. It does, it's not little bits and pieces like in some mm. films and yeah. whatnot. Mm-hmm. So for me, that that's it. And of course, Hannibal is my favorite. Always. Helping, <laughs> helping people out at the end there. <laughs> if you want my help, I'll help world. you. <laughs> How about you? I was about to call you Abigail. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like the near ending just because like how fast paced it was like Mm -hmm. it it escalated quickly (laughs) like like from the like the murder cabin to like the inside the house and then like the dude coming to like see her i don't know it's just like it's very exciting and it's definitely like a good like end to like her becoming um like staying with hannibal (laughs) why would she stay with hannibal (laughs) why would he want her to well i guess because he He's like. Do a, they have like things in common? Because they both like ate people at some point. <laughs> That's what he put into the foster but care. She doesn't know that. <laughs> That's what they put in the foster care application. They I, both ate I think people. he probably. It's probably maybe a scene we didn't see. Maybe he implement, implemented like after they did this thing together. You know, he put an idea in her head. You know, I guess you don't have anybody else to turn to but me. So. Which is terrifying. It is. Yeah. And so that's what she did. She left like the the minor leagues of murder for like the major leagues of yes. murder. <laughs> but um, that poor girl. Yeah, like I feel like I used to hate Abigail, but now I'm really feeling bad for her because I'm like she's in Will's camp of like people are messing with her and like she has nobody like she it's uh one of the things i hate about abusive relationships is they put in your head the question always questioning yourself and her being always questioning whether or not she was um she is a murderer that freaks me out more than anything uh, we'll get to later episodes where we can talk about this in in context but it's like like it just bothers me (laughs) but yeah okay my favorite part of the episode was again like celeste the ending because i like that um Hannibal basically said to her that if she like if she sold him out like she he like if she told everybody that he was the caller he'd be like okay well you murdered that boy and buried him in the in the backyard mm. and he doesn't see it as anything because like he actually implies that like um, his secret is bigger than hers and I re- like he he like I think that's why he's so nonchalant about it because he says uh, let's see. 
I feel like Hannibal and Abigail's relationship is giving me signs of abuse, as I said. Um, he's holding that that you're a murderer thing over her and implying implying that her secret on him, that he was the caller, isn't that big of a deal because it was just a mistake on his part. Like, I accidentally called your father and told him the cops were coming. Mm-hmm. She, like, he belittles that idea. And so uh, she feels that she has this whole thing, like, he has, he has her life in his hands. It's just scary to me. Yeah, it's like she owes him, too. Yeah, she owes him something. Because he helped her, like, hide the body, and now he's letting her stay at her place. I mean, his place. <laughs> Stop making that sound. That'll be my go-to thing. But it's that whole thing, that whole saying about, like, two can keep a secret if only if one person is dead. That's that's what I keep seeing every time I see Abigail and Hannibal together. It's like, yeah. That's actually my, what was my first instinct, too. It's like, why would you help her? That's just... Make more trouble for yourself, but then it's like because eh. he's got a card on her. Yeah, he's like she's the dark horse. Like, what's the, not the dark horse? But she's like, he's the, she's the card he hides in his sleeve to bring out if he's like in trouble. Hmm. I always feel like he's bored too. Yeah, he's like, like messing mm-hmm. with Lil and then like taking in this girl. Like, and, like murdering like, people are already like busy enough. <laughs> explained a little bit more in more episodes why we like probably more reasons why he actually does what he does but you know we'll get there <laughs> yeah like um in hannibal rising that he has a sister right yeah. so in hannibal rising mm-hmm. he has a sister that um spoiler alert he accidentally eats accidentally, accidentally <laughs> um she's okay. killed and put into a pot of stew that he eats and he's hungry and then they're like oh lol hannibal you just ate your sister and he's like no okay, it's like that one episode in self part i'm not sure if you guys seen that <laughs> <laughs> Which no. part? Explain it. Um, shoot. Okay, it's like uh, when Cartman got like, like this um this teenager like pissed Cartman off, and so he did this like this whole like scheme of like luring his parents out and like killing them, and then he like um uh, put them into chili, and at the end of the episode. <laughs> he like fed him to the like the dude like the teenage uh, boy. This is like a Hannibal episode. <laughs> I'm not like. You know, connecting them. <laughs> the episode, maybe that's like the inspiration to it. Oh, Until wait, you like start like missing his tears. Yeah. yeah. It's like fear. That was, yeah, that's weird. Alright. And the last thing for the episode, what was your least favorite thing? Jack Murder. Crawford. Jack Crawford. <laughs> JJ as usual, Jack Crawford. <laughs> Mine was Alana's uselessness. Like, dear God, where did she get her her credentials on the back of a Cracker Jack? No, she got them from Hannibal. <laughs> like, ah, sorry. Okay. sorry, I'm just like, everything's coming back to me now. It's like when I when you're lying in bed at night and something comes to you and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> what is it called? Fridge logic? Fridge horror. Anyway. Uh, how about you, well, Hannibal, because, you know, he always gives me the heebie-jeebies with his, like, his eyes and his potting. And he, like, kicked over... Like those leaves over that rock, and I'm oh, sure yeah, why that he was... did that, but it was something. Oh, sneaky. it was uh, to frame because it had the blood of the guy on it, so he put it <gasps> right. in her. Oh come on, yeah. I finally, <laughs> it was like, oh, I finally got the connection. He's so gross. <laughs> All right, I just love that though. He's thinking like ten steps ahead. Yeah, game of chess. You know, it's great. It's like oh man. <laughs> okay, well I guess we're out of time now. But anyway, where can we get all find you on on social media? Media. <laughs> social media uh, you can find me on Tumblr as JJ Neeps you can find me on Twitter as JJ Neeps and you can find me on Snapchat as JJ Neeps <laughs> uh, but Instagram as JJ Neep and Films <laughs> and you uh, you can find me on Tumblr and Instagram at Satumwa at um, S-A-T-U-M-W-A-H Okay. And you can find me at honey child, honey underscore child at Twitter and Tumblr. 
uh, Ceramic Nanu on Instagram, and you can email the podcast at Hannibal Horn- Hannibal's Horny at gmail.com. <laughs> we also have a Twitter, uh, HH Hibachi, which is uh, just posting uh, sneak peeks into the episodes because we record these ahead of time. That's why we were talking about Rogue One four months after it comes out, <laughs> basically. Because we actually recorded it. What's today? My birthday, actually. Oh, my birthday. My birthday. <laughs> Hannibal would kill me today because I was being a jerk about it. Uh, but we'll discuss that later. Anyway, uh, well, thanks for listening, and we will be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.